thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hi, everybody. So good to be here. Oh, let me get my, myself situated. And um, actually, why don't we stand? We're going to pray. Um, I like to give honor to the one that we've come here for, right? We have come here to hear from God. And uh, I know you're listening to a woman today. So maybe just put that aside and realize that we're all vessels used by God. But I do believe God has a word to encourage every single one of you this morning. So why don't we pray so that the anointing of God can flow through this being and so that the words of uh, His Word will transform our lives. So Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You that we've gathered here today to be encouraged, but first and foremost, to give honour and glory to You. You are the one worthy of all our praise and we've given You our worship. So Father God, I pray that our hearts would be uh, fresh soil prepared for the seed to be deposited in this morning. God, I pray that Your Word, Your Word that is alive, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, God, it divides between souls and spirit, joint and marrow, and it judges the attitudes and thoughts of our hearts. So God, I pray that your word that comes through this mouth by your Holy Spirit would bring transformation and every word that deposits in today that would bring much fruit through your church and everyone declared, Amen. come on, this is Kansas City, amen. Amen. Take your seats. It's such an honour to be here. I've just got to know your pastors a little more. I know that we've met briefly in the past, but it was it's always good to get to know people in the rides of the car and everything like that. And I just love that you guys are building the church here in Kansas. I mean, this is amazing. What a, I, I have been a mobile church girl for 16 years. So we would set up and pack down for 16 years. And it wasn't until last year that we're finally in a actual building that we don't have to stack the chairs and pack the chairs um, and all that sort of hoo-ha. But, um, you know, it's I, I really don't take it lightly for the men and women of God that come in here to prepare and set up because it really does take that commitment. So we honour you this morning and we honour you, Pastors David and Renata, for just, again, rallying the troops and uh, leading the charge. And so can you honour your pastors for everything that they have done, for everything that they sow into you guys so that you can have an encounter with the Lord. And um, I honestly don't take it lightly to come to people's churches and stand on their pulpits because I know that I, I'm very particular uh, with who brings the Word of God to our people because we're not messing around, hey, the, we're in the last days and we need to speak the Word of truth. And so I really believe I've got a message this morning. I felt the Lord lead me to speak to you. And the title of my message is simply this, it's time to get your fight back. It's time to get 
your fight back. You're like, what do you mean? I'm not in a fight. Oh, yes, you are. We are not fighting flesh and blood, but we are fighting principalities and powers in our lives. And if we're not aware of that, you are not on a cruise ship in your Christian walk. You are in a war. You are an army and you are on the battlefield. And we need to understand that sometimes the enemy loves to come in and bring discouragement and disappointment and a little bit of disillusionment along our path because he wants to take us out of the fight. He understands our authority. He understands who we are in Christ. He understands the potential in every single one of you. And so what He does is He tries to thwart the plan to get you out of the race so that you become null and void. And that is not the destiny for your life. Your destiny is to fight the fight of faith, to finish the race and to not give up. I wanna first read from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Well, actually, I'm going to go for verse six. I I know I told the team seven, but it just says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. This is Paul speaking. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing, which that means you and I. And we are called to fight the good faith. It is not about how you start church. It is all about the finish line. It is not about how good you are in the first leg of the race. We are not in a marathon. I believe we're in a relay race. I believe that we're the ones that get to pass the baton onto the next generation, whether that be our children, whether that be our spiritual children, whether that's people in our lives that we are mentoring and leading. And we are not to bow out of the race because the person behind us is in need of our race being completed. You get disqualified in races when you just bow out of the race. But you've got to finish because this is what Paul was saying. I am finishing my race well. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. I don't know about you, but there's been a theology that's been swirling around in the last 10, 15 years that when you come to Jesus, everything is perfect and rosy and we're tiptoeing through the tulips and nothing bad happens. I don't know where they're reading that in the Bible. I don't understand that because apparently Jesus was like, uh, if you join in with my suffering, you will also revel in my glory. Like there is no tiptoeing through the tulips in this fight of faith. And sometimes the fight of faith, we get weary. Sometimes the fight of faith, we get discouraged. Sometimes we wanna bow out of the race. I know I have many, many times. I know that some days it just feels a little bit too much, but I know it's the enemy crouching at my door saying, get out of the race, get out of the race, get out of the race. And I'm here to encourage you this morning all the way from Australia via Nashville, Tennessee to get your fight back. Because 2022, I believe, is going to be a year of great harvest. I believe it's gonna be a year where we need to put our hand to the plough and do not look back because the enemy has tried to take the church out in 2020 and 2021. I feel like 2020 hit us with with a big baseball bat in the head and then 2021, we're still seeing the stars. And the Lord's saying, I need you to get your fight back. I need you to go into 2022 armed and ready. But I wanna share with you from two men of God in Scripture 
and how these were great men of God. I don't actually believe that greatness uh, makes you exempt from adversity and from disappointment and being disillusioned at times. And sometimes I think we can feel guilty that we may have those times of feeling a little bit bewildered. Maybe we're a little bit overwhelmed. And the Lord is very, very kind to us. And I think we have to stop pretending that all is well all the time. I love that in our church, we make it a safe space to let people be not okay. We don't want them staying there, but we don't want them denying that they're not okay. Because denial doesn't do anything. We need to face our fear. We need to face our disappointment. We need to face where we're at so that we can actually deal with it and become overcomers. But when we stuff it down and pretend like everything's okay, we will never finish the race. It's gonna come out somewhere. And so we need to understand that God is for you and that He wants you to finish your race. So I want to start by reading from Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. I've got a little bit of Scripture, but we're in church, so that's okay, right? <laughs> I like to read Scripture. It says, After Jesus had finished instructing His 12 disciples, He went on from there to teach, preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask Him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Other translations say, blessed are the ones who don't get offended on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven, which is you and I, is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and the violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. There's a lot in this scripture, but I'm gonna do my best in 20 minutes to unpack that which I believe is a word from God for you today. Here we find John, John the Baptist in prison. 
Here we find the messenger of God, the one prepared in advance for him to prepare the way of the Lord in prison. The one that from Elizabeth's womb, he leapt when he encountered Jesus. Their wombs leapt. It was prophesied that he would be the messenger before Jesus would make himself known, that he would prepare the way of the Lord. He was the forerunner. I mean, you are talking a man of great courage, a man of great purpose and destiny, a man set apart and holy, a man who most people would have thought was random and weird because he lived out in the wilderness. He dressed in camel hair. He, he ate locusts and honey. He was a random. He never ate anything unclean. He never touched any alcohol. He was set apart, yet people came in the droves to see Him. They didn't care what venue He was at. They made their way because there was an anointing on His life to prepare the way of the Lord. This was not a weak man of God. This was not somebody who swayed to the left or to the right. This was someone who lived by conviction and did exactly what he was purposed to do, yet now he finds himself in prison. And he's questioning, hey guys, can you please go and take note? Ask Jesus, are you sure he's the one? Or are we supposed to be expecting somebody else? Have you ever been in that place where you've wondered, where on earth are you, God? I've done everything. I've tithed, I've served faithfully, I've, I've worked for you, I've served you, I've been a Christian my whole life, I have stayed set apart, I've stayed married and honoured my wife, I've raised my kids in the way of God and now it feels like I'm in a prison of circumstance and I did not sign up for this prison. I did not sign up for this particular prison when I followed you, God. I did not sign up to be put in prison. Why was John put in prison? Because he was standing for righteousness. He was standing for truth. And he was saying, no, 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 no. This union is not godly. And he addressed the spirit of this age. He took a stand for the worldly stance and he was put in prison and about to get his head cut off. I think we just use our Christianity for our own comfort sometimes and we don't actually understand what we've signed up for. If you've signed up for Christianity to get a cushy life, you're in the wrong thing. Because when I signed up to Jesus, it was to take up His cross and follow Him. That means I'm dying to the flesh and I'm submitting my life and Lordship to Christ that whatever He asks of me, I say yes and amen. And if that requires me to be chopped in the head, then I should be okay with that. But you know what? We're human. And I'm not saying we're all gonna go to the guillotine, but I am saying you're gonna have to die to a few things in your life. There are gonna be things that you stand up for in this season that are gonna have you be uh, rejected, that are gonna have you being pushed out of the crowd, that are gonna have you have to stand for something. And there will be a season of rejection and there will be a season where people don't understand you. And what is your faith in that point? You see, it's all good when we're raising our hands and we're in a beautiful facility like this and we're praising God to beautiful worship. But what is it like when you're in a prison of circumstance? Is God still who you are singing about this morning in those prisons? 
prison cells. And here John is having a crisis of faith, if you like, going, is Jesus really who He says He is? Because according to Isaiah 61, He releases the captives. He sets the prisoners free. The Lord has anointed Him to preach good news. The Lord has anointed Him to deliver those that are oppressed. I was thinking He's going to overthrow the spirit of this age and the government. But here I am now subjected to it and about to lose my life for it. So who is the Jesus that I have been preparing the way for? Imagine. He's in a season of transition. His work is done. His mission is complete. And God is like, not even having a little pep talk with him. He just says, you know what? Just go back and report to John that everything that he prophesied and everything that he's been declaring, it's happening. The lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the gospel is being preached. People are being raised from the dead. The sick are being healed. John, keep focused. Don't bow out of the race. Don't give up the fight. I'm gonna affirm who you are and I'm gonna tell everybody, in fact, that you have been the greatest prophet that ever was, but yet the kingdom hasn't even seen what's about to be unleashed because John hasn't experienced resurrection power like you're gonna receive it. John hasn't received the Holy Spirit like you guys are gonna receive it. So even the least of these in the future kingdom is gonna be greater than John the Baptist and that's you and I. Are you encouraged by that? That we get to be greater than John. But that means that we've got to be willing to go low like John. And there's going to be times in your life where you're going to be put in a prison. Perhaps you're in that right now. Perhaps 2020 and 2021 did not be, was not kind to you. Perhaps you did everything right, yet everything went wrong. Maybe your marriage fell apart. Maybe your relationships are estranged. Maybe your job was lost. Maybe somebody you love died and you, wasn't, you weren't expecting them to die. Maybe there have been major losses in your life and you're wondering, where are you? Where are you, Lord? See, I believe that we are in a season of transition as the church. I actually believe that 2020 was the greatest year of sifting the church from the sheep and the goats. I really do. I think it's gonna happen again and again, but it's a first sifting. And I was here for it because I actually saw the state of the big C church and I was a little disappointed if I have to be honest. I was like, wow, what do you really believe when adversity comes to your door? You see, I wasn't moved. I wasn't moved by this pandemic because if you look at history, history will tell you we're still here today. <laughs> History will tell you, nothing has taken us out. We're still here and the church is still growing. So it was really, dis it was disappointing for me to see how the church reacted to 2020. It was disappointing to see the church divide over political issues. It was disappointing for me to see the racial issues that are still in existence today and someone who is a foreigner that came into this nation going, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. And yet to see Christians divide over a racial issue disappointed me. And I went, oh, we've got a lot of work to do. It's not okay to just come to church, sit in a comfy chair, be blessed with a little bit of worship and a great word and then go home and not do anything different in your work week. It's not enough, church. 
We are gonna have to stand before God and we're in a fight of faith. And I wanna stand like Paul where just before he's about to transition to glory, he says, I've been poured out like a drink offering. I've given it all, guys. I've given it all for the cause of Christ. And I know that I am going to be crowned with the crown of righteousness because I've done it all, because I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race. And I don't care if my life ends in death because my job was to only bring the mission of Christ to this earth. And as I stand here today, guys, all I care about is that people would be saved, set free and delivered. And if that causes me to lose my life, so be it, because I have been radically changed by the presence of God and I want everybody to encounter Jesus like I've encountered Jesus. So I will not stop. I will not give up and I will not bow out of the race because I know who my God is even in times of adversity. Amen. You see, I think when we go through these transition times, there's always a question. There's always a moment of wondering, okay, God, where are you? And I think it's not a bad thing. I think it totally recalibrates our heart to really go, okay, what do I truly believe when adversity comes to our households? You'll never know what you have in God until some type of adversity or suffering comes to your door. You'll never know because the ugly stuff has to come out to actually see what surfaces. The true you truly comes out when pressure is applied. That's who you really are. And we've got to understand that when that pressure comes, it's actually for our good. It's not God's punishment. It's not the enemy sometimes attacking us. It's actually a litmus test to see where we're at with God. And God's actually wanting to see who are you on the inside? What are you made of? When here's John, isolated, imprisoned, about to go to his death, And it's then that I believe when we're in our isolated seasons or we're in our dark seasons or when we have adversity come to our house that then the Lord's like, great, now I've got her by herself. (laughs) Now I've got him by himself. Now I can see what they're truly made of. I think the greatest seasons of suffering have been my greatest growth periods. It's never been the mountaintops. It's never been the the things that to what man sees as successes. That doesn't grow me. In fact, that destroys some people. Because who you are in the hidden, who you are with nothing, who you are when you're suffering is who you need to be when you're in abundance, when you're in plenty, when you're in the most successful season. And I think this is why Jesus, who humbled himself, made himself of no reputation, can actually handle the glory of being the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Why? Because he had to go through suffering. We don't like teaching about that. And I'm sorry if you came for an exhorted word, but this is an exhorted word because this will change your life. This will make you radiant. This will make you a disciple and follower of Jesus that people look at and go, I want to follow them. And this is where John was. It's just you and me. And now you need to make a resolve. I am who I said I am. And I'm doing exactly what you even prophesied that I would be doing. But suffering's always part of the process of becoming greater. It's always part of the thing that propels us. If greatness is in you, then get prepared to suffer because it will shape you. And it is your greatest gift.
Pressure on the outside causes what's on the inside to come out. It might be ugly, but we need to see what we're made of. Because you know what? He turns beauty. He gives beauty for ashes. He gives a garment of praise over our mourning clothes. He does something in suffering that is so supernatural and so personal and it's very, very, very private. But when you come out of that season, you are greater and you finish the fight well and you look different and you act different and you speak differently because why? Paul was like, my grace, uh, he, he was like, take the thorn out of my flesh. Take the thorn out of my flesh, Jesus. And Jesus replies, my grace is sufficient for you, son. You're gonna need grace for this because in my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so Paul's like, well, you know what? I'm gonna boast all the more in my weakness so that you get the glory. See, sometimes I think we wanna be all perfectly ready, but I find that in the most vulnerable times when I allow God to take over my life, I am the greatest and most fruitful. Why? Because I'm allowing Jesus to be seen. Not Alex, not my gifting, but Jesus in me to be seen. And this is what the world is needing in you, that when adversity comes, they're watching. They're watching what comes out of your mouth. They're watching what you say to your family members. Your children are listening to your curses or your blessings. They're listening to how you react to that person who offended you. They're listening to the how that person doesn't agree with you. They're watching how you respond. They're watching. Trust me. My kids watch everything I do. And they're listening, but the world is listening. My family are not saved. They're watching. How are Alex and Henry dealing with that? How are they dealing with that adversity, that injustice? How? Because that's what reflects the glory of God. And this is how we need to know that we are in transition. You see, John the Baptist, he was referred to the Elijah that was to come. See, Elijah went through the same issue. Elijah had just brought down the prophets of Baal. Elijah had just had one of his greatest ministry victories. And yet Queen Jezebel puts a bounty on his head and she says, I want his head off on the chopping block. But isn't it amazing that Elijah runs for his life and becomes intimidated and scared. He's exhausted, he's isolated, he's alone and he has the same moment that John the Baptist is having in prison. He's wondering, where are you, God? He's wondering, where are everybody around me? Did you ever go through 2020, 21 saying, I must be the only one that is feeling this? I'm the only one that's going through this? There is nobody else, where are the people? Because this is what happens. The enemy loves to come in and whisper lies to us, make you feel isolated. This is why I think the pandemic was such a demonic assignment to get us isolated because distance creates distortion. And when you're in away from people, you start having false imaginations. You, you start allowing your mind and that which is actually in the core of your being surfaces. And God needs to deal with it. And so what did God do? He ministered to Elijah. He fed him. He said, go to sleep, rest, and I'm gonna have my angels come to you. But this is what I love is that he says, go back to where you came from. You can't bow out here under this tree by this brook. The brook's gonna dry up and I need you to go back. 
And what I need you to know is that you are not alone. In fact, there is Jehu waiting. He's gonna take down Jezebel. And then there is Elisha who you need to pass that baton onto. And in fact, there are thousands of other prophets and men of God that I have reserved for you that are gonna join with you because there is a remnant and no one's gonna take out the church of God. His purpose will always stand. And he says, Elijah, this is not the time to bow out. John, this is not the time to bow out. People are being saved. People are being set free. Everybody is doing good, but I need you to not listen to the enemy this morning. And I need you to get your fight back and I need you to stand up and I need you to go back to where you came from and you are going to defy everything that the enemy has tried to bring against you. But it's gonna take you to get up and go back. And some of you have just sat and you've got comfortable and you've binged on every Netflix show that you can think of. And God's saying, get up. It's time to get back to work. You're in a fight of faith and I want you to finish your race. Don't settle. Kansas City needs you. The people of your workplaces and your colleges and your schools need you to get up and fight. They need you to lead them. People are dying on the inside. And while we're the church, we need to be the radiant bride that is showing them the way. We need to be the ones going, hey, this may be happening, but we're good. I may have experienced loss, but oh, yet will I praise Thee. Oh, I may have lost my job, but you know what? God will provide. This is who we are as saints. And I wanna encourage you, church, do not let go. The opinions of others try to take John out. Oh, well, he's a drunk, he's, he's got a demon because he didn't eat and drink. Oh, Jesus, he ate and he drank, so now he's a glutton and a drunkard. You're never going to please people. You're never actually gonna win. And isn't it amazing that this was happening back then? That whole little thing is, uh, how, can I, how can I explain this generation? They're like children in the marketplace who one set of children wanna play weddings. This is basically what it means. And then funerals. And the ones that are playing weddings, they're like, well, I don't wanna play weddings, I wanna play funerals. And the ones that are playing funerals, well, I don't wanna play funerals, I wanna play weddings. But actually, they just want to do what they want to do. And this is what brings discouragement. This is what I love at the end of that scripture. Jesus says, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. You see, John led people to salvation. Wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Who cares what people said about him? Jesus went to the cross and changed the world. Who cares what they said about him? You see, who cares what people say about you? This is where the enemy wants to take you out, the opinion of others. See, what God's actually wanting to do is make you so strong in your spine. I just, I won't be back here next week, so I'm gonna say it anyway. I think some Christians are the most spineless people on planet Earth. And I'm really tired of seeing it. Have some conviction, will you? Have some, if you believe in Jesus, believe in Him. But don't be this wishy-washy Christian, oh, I go to church. Well, who cares? Like even demons come into church. Doesn't mean they're saved. Like this is the thing, we've got to get a conviction. 
We've got to understand what we're in the fight for because when you stand before God, you can't go back. And I'm, I'm, I am so close to eternity in my mind right now because we've just seen some beautiful people transition into heaven. And at young ages, I've seen so many people in the last six months who are under 50 die and go to be with Jesus. And I'm like, I'm 48 years of age. And I'm like, I, today could be my last. Have I lived it where I can actually speak like Paul and say, I have fought the good fight and I have finished I finished well, that when I stand before Jesus, that He's going to give me a crown of righteousness that will never, ever fade away. I want to encourage you, church, get your fight back. Every head bowed, every eye closed as we close this morning. I don't know where you're at and the timeline of your life. I don't know if you're a new Christian, you're a long-term Christian, you're maybe still searching. Well, Jesus is here for you. And he says, those that call on me, believe in their heart, confess with their mouth that he is Lord, he is faithful to forgive you of your sin. And all you have to do is call out on him and you will be saved. It's a heart posture, it's a heart cry. And he says, I will come for you. I will change your life, I will make my home with you. But right now I wanna pray for people that need their fight back. They've got a little battle weary. They've been a little wounded. They've had loss. They've had loss after loss. Some of you have just felt like a barrage. Maybe you've just, you're just weary. You love God. There's no question about that, but you're weary and you just feel complacent. You almost feel a bit numb. God's saying, I want you to get your fight back. And while every head's bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand so that I can pray for you. Yeah, thank you for being honest. Yes, many, many of you. Just keep your hands raised. I'm going to pray blessing over you this morning. Father, I thank you that your word comes to heal. Your word comes to transform. And God, you know every situation of every one of your sons and daughters in this house. God, you've seen the fight. You've seen the battle that has come against them. You've seen the enemy crouching at their door, trying to take them out of the race. And But I pray right now that there would be courage, that your Holy Spirit would infuse into their spirit right now and bring forth life, bring forth abundant life, bring forth joy unspeakable, bring forth that fight in their spirit that tomorrow morning when they get up, they're gonna seize the day. Instead of wishing it away, they're going to go at it with full gusto and understanding that You are for them, not against them, that You are in them, that they have not been forsaken. And Father God, I just pray blessing. I pray that everything that has been stolen would be brought back a hundredfold. I pray that every tactic against them would be turned around and what the enemy meant for evil, that You will turn around and make it good. In Jesus' Name we pray, Amen.